I was in the army. Yeah. Any family in the state, Sony? Any cousins, brother-in-law, anybody? Oh, no, nobody. Everybody stayed. You ever been in jail, Tony? Me? Jail? No way. No. Been in a mental hospital? Oh, yeah. And the boat coming over. What about homosexuality, Tony? You like men, huh? You like to dress up like a woman? What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Am I kidding me or what? Just answer the questions, Tony. Okay. No. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn. And Jeremy. And today it is a very weird uh, mix-up of episodes. It is our first uh, double Dark Council No, it's not. We've done this before. We We did, um, Yeah, when we were coming out of animation month into something else. Damn. Okay, Um, it's the second time we've had to do this because of covid sicknesses all yeah kinds of you know the issues. supply chain and the, the you know <laughs> the, the canal is closed yeah uh the the pod canal is is all jammed up yeah these um, things happen they so this happen, is a double folks. feature that is straddling the line of video game month and our That's new right. uh september theme remake month remake month <laughs> which is i think one of the uh, one of the the least creative themes we've had, except for the very first one, mm-hmm. which I can't remember, but it was also montage. very tenuous. A montage month. Yeah. Okay, it's better than montage. It's better month. than montage month. Um, I will say, however, despite it not being a very creative theme, uh, we do have some good movies coming up. Good movies. No, the good choices. Good Dark choices. Council. No, no um, insult here. I'm just saying. And I think we can do. We can say them in advance because they're not going to change. We're doing Scarface this week. Uh, then next week is the Longest Yard with Adam Sandler, a deeply, <laughs> which I've seen. deeply underrated comedy. Yes. Um, then we have the A Team, which I've never seen. Uh, I don't know what to expect from it. And then we have That's True Grit, a movie that I adored when it came out, but I haven't seen since. Right. Uh, those are an interesting bunch. We've got generally considered a uh, gangster classic mm-hmm. uh, to like early 2000s, like B remakes mm-hmm. and then a Western classic or modern classic. Yeah. That is sort of gotten a lot of notoriety from which is very m- huge directors. So bookended by our that's a Coen brothers, right? True grit. Yeah. Yeah. That might be our first Coen Brothers. No. I think it might be. No, we did Burn After Reading. There you go. I knew there was one. There must have been Uh, one. I remember talking about our first Coen Brothers. It was Burn After Reading. Um, Weird that we haven't done. We should definitely start maybe maybe forcing director months so that we can. Or maybe sibling um, director month. (laughs) And we can get a Coen. We can get a Wachowski. We can get a Safdie. Safties, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, is there one more? There must be. <laughs> yeah. Um, sibling. Oh my God, there's so many. Yeah. 
the Cohen brothers, the Irwin brothers. Oh, uh, what are the guys who did uh, the Hughes brothers? Mm. Didn't they do uh, Dead Presidents? Uh, maybe. Yes, they did. Great movie. Uh, yeah, so this month, we're finishing up video game adaptations uh, with Postal. Mm-hmm. And we are beginning adaptations or remakes months. Sorry, not adaptations. Remake months uh, with... Uh, Scarface. <laughs> yeah. So, so a very interesting get... double feature. I'd say they're pretty good companion pieces. <laughs> <laughs> very similar movies. Similar movies, similar, similar quality, similar you know, uh, directors <laughs> and screenwriters on pretty similar levels. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> acting talent, I would say, pretty close. Um, uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, should we get into it? Do we need any more, do any more housekeeping before? I don't uh, think we so. Get I right think we can get, postal? get into it, baby. Let's talk about postal. <laughs> <laughs> postal, baby. Uh, we've, we are talking about a movie. 2007 directed- action comedy film co written directed by Uwe Boll. Uwe Boll. Starring Zach Ward, directed, yeah. Dave Foley, Chris Coppola, Jackie Tone, and J.K. Simmons. And J.K. Simmons's part in this, I must must say right off the bat, is pretty fucking small, pretty minimal. Oh, and Vern he, Troyer is the next. Well, there's next a, build. there's a lot of weirdly high profile um, cameos in this. Mm-hmm. I, I consider J.K. Simmons to be a cameo because yeah. he's like in one scene, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I I feel like I caught a bunch of little like, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah. Um. But not not very many people. Dave Foley's in it. Dave Foley's um, in it, and we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, well you want to try to uh, just tell the people what the movie's about? Christ Almighty. Okay. So <laughs> our main character Zach Ward uh, plays the Postal Dude, um, which is just what his name is. He's the Postal Dude. He is a uh, down-on-his-luck American everyman um, who has a uh, morbidly obese wife that he lives with in a trailer. She is fucking everybody in the trailer park behind his back, but not really behind his back. He knows what's happening, but he's just too damn... He's too much of a pushover to do anything about it. Uh, He goes to try to find a job. He can't get a job. Uh, his uncle Dave, played by Dave Foley, runs a sex cult where he is God incarnate. <laughs> and uh, the two of them put their heads together and they decide to do a big heist of um, uh, crotchy dolls or something like that. It's like it's a pair of balls with a face. And for whatever reason, it's like the Tickle Me Elmo. Uh, or the stand-in. Beanie Babies. Yeah. So they're going to do a heist of these and sell them on the black market. They will be... Uh, handing them out for free at the opening of um German world what was it called German land little Germany what, what was the theme park little called? little Germany little Germany um they're gonna be handing them out there they're gonna do a heist um that's their plan meanwhile um the Taliban um <laughs> uh, the real Taliban with yeah, Osama, Osama bin Laden, bin Laden. Uh, have set up shop in the back of a cigarette store in... Which I believe is uh, interchangeable in this movie with Al-Qaeda. Would they say them both? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so they have set up shop in a cigarette shop in, in his town where they are also planning not a heist of the um, of the crotchy dolls, but rather to poison them. 
so that they'll kill everybody uh, in in America. Right. They put them. They're trying to put the bird flu on them. Yeah. Which, hey, we all remember the bird flu. Don't remember we? the bird flu? From really, really timeless. Nice evergreen <laughs> reference in the post COVID world, especially. Yep. Um. So they, uh, you know, they, they, they are hatching their schemes to do the same thing at the same time. They run into each other. Big shooting happens, or they murder a bunch of children. Um. And then the rest of the movie is like kind of just whatever. <laughs> like the police are trying to find the postal dude because they think he did the massacre. Postal dude's trying to stop Al Qaeda from doing their scheme. Uh, Dave Foley's right hand man is trying like a third extra scheme where he's also going to do what the Al Qaeda guys are going to do, but to the world instead. Uh, and that's that's basically it. It becomes kind yeah, of like it, a big it, shoot 'em up for the rest of the movie. Um, it becomes a big slapsticky like get this guy into this area who's mm-hmm. got the upper hand kind of thing which is you know not as i'm glad it kind of becomes just like this yes completely agree n- hard n- not- agree the movie gets much better after the heist scene before the heist scene i really don't give a shit about anything that's happening i'm yawning constantly <laughs> right so so let's let's begin with the very first scene mm-hmm. is a bit that is yeah, basically pre-credits unrelated. pre-credits Pre- unrelated pre-credits. <laughs> we've we've got the two just uh, to set the not, tone for the kind of like anti-pc comedy you're gonna be seeing yeah, in the, this movie this movie is anti-woke yeah well, it's uh, not just anti-woke though it's like this is like a true south parkian sort of you know everybody Edgelord. gets everyone gets touched you know it's not just yeah. it's not just racial minorities it's everybody but white people <laughs> <laughs> literally everybody yeah uh, unless you're fat or gay or whatever mm-hmm. um so uh, but it opens up with uh two 9-11 hijackers talking about how many virgins they're gonna get yeah they're the having afterlife. a little comedic disagreement about how many virgins it is they both heard different numbers right and they get on the say, phone with bin laden the big bl and they're like hey how many virgins is it and he says a number that neither of them said and right, they say 10, I think. it's like 10 or something like that. And they're like, fuck that. What? <laughs> and they decide they're going to fly to the Bahamas. But instead of flying the Bahamas, the uh, the rest of the plane, you know, kicks down the door and they um, they force take over the plane and fly it accidentally into the World Trade Center. Right now. I got to say, the one good thing I'll say about this movie is that this bit is kind of funny. It is kind of funny. I, I-, <laughs> I would say, though, it would be much funnier. And I don't know how they didn't think of this way funnier version of it where it's not the world trade center plane it's the united 93 plane yeah the one that actually gets taken down by the passengers that's way funnier because it's a real thing that happened and you are doing the thing that happened (laughs) yeah i i thought that's what it was gonna be i was like oh i'm realizing that they're gonna come in and crash it anyway Mm -hmm. uh into the middle of the field um that's funny i was like oh I guess it's kind of at that point. The funny parts is the real funny part here is that the guy on the phone is like doing really good comedic acting. Mm-hmm. He's like, he says he can only do 10. Yeah, 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 10. yeah, yeah. That's like, great. When the two of them are like having their like side. Con- I always love that sort of comedy when they're doing like the side conversation with a guy on the phone. Um, yeah. That's always really good. Like this opening made me think like, wait a minute, am I going to like this movie? Is this going to movie going to be like kind of low key, very funny? And like, because it, it had. This movie, let's let's get this out of the way. Uwe Boll is a director with 
a reputation like no other, <laughs> generally considered one to be the worst directors of all time, yeah. made a bunch of video game adaptations that were unwatchable. Like, just absolutely dog shit. Not even so bad it's funny. Just, like, terrible, terrible movies. Um, and this was his, I think, like, third or fourth, fourth or fifth movie, I think. Um, well, in America. He apparently had a, a fairly long career previous in the 90s in germany but then he did like house of the dead alone in the dark blood rain in the name of the king so yeah the quite a few movies in he does postal and this was like his first foray into american comedy so this movie has like a reputation of one of the worst movies of all time um and it's just like edgy for the sake of edgy so i mm -hmm. kind of knew what i was getting into but the thing about me is that I don't mind edgy humor if I it's don't. funny. Yeah, you again, know? it's like we're we're definitely giving this its fair credit. That opening scene is a good concept that's maybe not executed well, but he has a decent idea. You I know? mean, it's not even that poorly. Like, I think it could have been punched up for sure, mm -hmm. but like, it's pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Like, as a little sketch, the the acting between the guys is pretty funny. The idea is a little obvious, but kind of funny yeah and then when it crashes into the the building that's not a big joke it would have been funnier if it was the it would be funnier if it the was the field one. and then you have a an additional scene where you have the guys who like have access to the black box who are like hearing the transcript of it and they come up with the idea of the let's roll thing and whatever you know yeah, like yeah. that's a good or even better, you yes. could actually show the let's roll happening. Like in the back, you're having the real <laughs> dramatic actual thing happening where the guys are like saying goodbye to their families and stuff. And they're like, let's roll. <laughs> uh, you could even make it even funnier probably if they had a conversation where they're like, we don't want to do this. But then they all they all like, understand and then all fuck up anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, but it's it made me perk up a little bit it made like you hopeful I was, in a way that you did not have to be it exactly. kind of makes the movie worse that there is a good bit at the beginning and you yeah. know that he's capable of it and then there never once is anything this funny in the entire movie nope uh i was waiting for like maybe there's one thing that'll make me laugh that was literally the only thing and i was i was giving it the benefit of the doubt basically until the heist mm -hmm. like i was just like maybe it'll come back maybe that little spark of humor, maybe that little spark of humor will like you know bumble back up but no uh this movie is painfully deeply unfunny mm -hmm. um and seemingly uninterested in humor as a concept yeah um because the movie kind of feels a little ahead of its time in terms of like white guy personal grievance mm -hmm. airing but uh, <laughs> also kind of behind its time because it i mean i i i literally felt the whole time like i was just watching um the scary movie guys making like a parody of falling down you know what i mean like if, if yeah but they're funny they're like funny the first, but, four, the first four scary movies are much funnier <laughs> yes they are much funnier but it, it, it has that feeling of like the joke is that the guy has a fucked up hand and he's like sticking it oh, in yeah. the cream that he's feeding them and whatever and he's like trying to get her to eat it off his hand and you're like okay i get it it's gross Move well, on. I, I guess I'll say that I, uh, to be clear, I haven't actually seen unedited versions of one or two. <laughs> I've seen Comedy Central 
TV Oh, I thought this was going to be another one no, that no, your no, dad no. had somebody <laughs> doctor for you. No, no. I've seen television versions of the first one. Mm-hmm. I've never seen two. But three and four are the Zucker brothers, the guys who did Airplane. Right. Um, and are much funnier. Yes. Um, first one, I never found that funny. Like, you're right. It's all just like... What if the they came real big or yeah, whatever? Right. It's like- it's, they do that in like every movie too. The like really big bust. <laughs> <laughs> Not very funny, um, but yeah. So this one definitely has the the first two scary movie vibe, where it's just like, what if it was really fat? Mm-hmm. What if it was really racist? What if or she whatever? had like weird boils on her face? <laughs> right. What if it was gross? And it's like. Okay. Okay. I don't else? find that. I don't find that funny. I don't know. Yeah, there's like uh, a whole sequence of this where like Dave Foley is talking to somebody as he's like taking his shit, and like you're just supposed to be laughing, I guess, at like that the guy, so the guy acting as it stinks so bad and whatever, and you're like, I don't give a shit. This is <laughs> who cares, right? I, I it's really hard to. Oh. Bryn's monitor suddenly turns off when they start talking about Dave Foley taking a shit. <laughs> who's, any... who's behind this? Who doesn't want you <laughs> to know about Dave Foley taking a shit? It smells bad. Is it supposed to smell bad? Am I supposed <laughs> to find that funny? Maybe your child finds it funny. Yeah, we're back. What I wanted, what I was saying was, or what I was thinking about saying was that, like, it's just really hard to laugh at a movie for being so bad at comedy. Like, mm-hmm. it's very easy. Some of the worst movies I've ever seen. Uh, this movie made me think of Surf Two. Um, I've never seen that. <laughs> no one's ever seen it. It's not. It's not a movie. It's barely a movie. Uh, Surf Two is a movie that is a like sort of similar comedy from the 19 from 84 um which is like it's a send-up of um beach party films you know what i mean sure. like uh, i love a send-up it, it's a it's a parody you know but it's uh-huh. it's just so deeply unfunny it, the movie doesn't have a it's not a sequel it's just called surf 2 um mm-hmm. and then its subtitle is the end of the trilogy um okay so it's That's like a good bit. one of those it's it's very of the airplane zany madcap right you know whatever but yeah it's just like when the comedy is really bad there's no real good way to explain it right it's one of those things like even on twitter like when someone is trying to be funny and just isn't it mm-hmm. just feels like such a facile insult to be like you're not funny but it's right. like the way it makes you feel is frustrated. <laughs> like you're just like really annoyed by this person. Yeah. And you're like, what, what am I doing spending my time like this right now? Right. And this is something that like, you know, you experience a lot in comedy, especially in the beginning when you're going to open mics all the time and you're constantly seeing people who are not funny and you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> why am I wasting my, why are you wasting your time here? Yeah. What is anybody doing? This is insane. Do you have like an um, existential, like, crisis where you're just like yeah this is and, so and, bad and it, it makes me question the point of life <laughs> yes and and it happens so much with edgelord guys too because it's like you know something that you see a lot in this movie you know even in that first bit that's so decent like you you see so often that like 
the the thing that's bad about edgelord comedy so often is that it's just easy it's taking the easiest thing you know right. nobody's really thinking that hard about what they're saying and you're like that's you know it's just not funny that way you know like it reminds me of um this one time I was standing outside of a show and there was this like young comic who had just moved to New York. He was like 17. Uh, he like finished high school early to move to New York to be a comedian. Wasn't going to college, had no intention to. Um, and we kind of like took him under our wing a little bit. We're like, Hey, it's cute. He's a little kid, whatever. Uh, and we're standing outside, uh, this show and somebody's walking past with like a, like a tray of watermelon slices that I guess they're like taking to a party or something like that. And they trip over something and just spill all the watermelon all over the floor. <laughs> okay. And they like get embarrassed and they leave it there. Right. So it's just sitting out in the middle of the sidewalk. And this 17 year old kid is like, oh, you know what we need right now? A black guy. Sure. And we're all just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not even that it's like it's 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 already fucked up that it's just like a you know it's just like a stupid stereotype thing it's not but even it's also re- just that it's like it's not even an, in, an interesting observation or like particularly unique you just saw watermelon and said black guy right. like that's all that's happening there <laughs> there's not really anything you know funny about that it, it, you just said a thing it's like a, you know? but yeah i mean like the the fact that there is an offensive aspect to it is what makes them like nervous laugh or something Mm -hmm. like it it would be like if he did that with cheese and then he said, you know, we need a mouse. Yes. It's like, uh that's not what, that's not a joke at all. We need a mouse. You just like noticed (laughs) that like mice eat cheese. Yeah. Or that's like a cultural thing. In the cartoons. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That you put cheese. Like what's the joke? Hey, where's Jerry when you need him? Right. Uh, it's like that that is the level of like connecting two things together that <coughs> that they are are that yeah that's the bare minimum that you need for it to even be like recognizable as humor right um and, and what's so great i think not so great but what's <laughs> what is what works for me about the opening is that it's not about the terrorist attacks it's about like the very mundane like self-preservation and like you know i want something for the sacrifice i'm making and then this like system is more mundane and bureaucratic than you would have thought it's not even like this fanciful like or or religious fervor thing where it's like we're going to get 72 versions or whatever yeah they're like unclear and then they have to yeah, call because like, <laughs> culturally you had this understanding at the time especially of like the 72 versions or whatever it is is like that is the number and it must be like written down somewhere you know like right. they all have this understanding of the number and so like the fact that the two of them heard two different things and then the, the guy on the phone has a third different thing <laughs> That he's like wheeling and dealing at apparently where he's like, he's like the best I can do for you is 10. That's the funniest bit. bit. Because it takes this thing that you assume is some sort of like sacred uh, aspect of their religion. And then it turns out it's just like a like bureaucratic uh, mundanity, like business thing. That's the joke. The joke isn't like, oh, they're scary terrorists or whatever. Yeah it has a premise and it has a subversion and that's what jokes are. Um, (laughs) and the rest of this movie doesn't know that. Yeah. Um, he's come up with one joke in his entire life. It appears. Yeah. Uh, 
it seems like he wanted to put that joke in a movie and so he decided to make this movie <laughs> yeah uh-huh um which so I, what else happens in this movie not a whole lot of nothing and i think we're basically coming up on time for this movie and we probably are going to have a lot more to say about yeah Scarface. anyway I, the one thing i will say about this movie is there's like something very interesting in the in the casting of it because like your three most prominent actors in the movie probably are zach ward dave foley and Vern troyer right and like there's just something like it's 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 so that type of movie where like like when we watched um um a talking cat and the main actor in a talking <laughs> cat uh when you look at his IMDb there's like nothing for 40 years and then you go all the way back and he was like a child actor in the 50s yeah you know and he's like this cute sweetie boy sort of you know like in little fun family movies and whatever and like you know Zach Ward is the bully from a Christmas story. <laughs> oh yeah. You know the scene he's where the he like he, he's he's the guy who gets his he gets his shit rocked by um little Ralphie. Yeah. And Dave Foley Scott famously Farkas. is going through like this massive horrendous divorce at the time where his his ex-wife is taking absolutely everything from him. And so he's in all sorts of dog shit during this era just trying to make money so that he can pay his alimony. And then Vern Troyer is Vern Troyer. You know, he's mini me. (laughs) And also classically like an asshole, right? Like he just like was doing anything. uh, Just trying to live off of his his, his little bit of whatever he had. So it's just this like interesting ensemble of like the most pathetic men in Hollywood (laughs) doing the dumbest movie you've ever fucking seen created by the worst director on earth. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty rough. There isn't really anything to to even and and it's like it's such a good explanation I think of like why trolls aren't funny because mm-hmm. like Uwe Boll's in the movie at a certain point and just like claiming that he's a Nazi and a pedophile or whatever as yeah. a, as a bit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and the thing is is like he gets to be like, aha, I'm tricking you. I'm acting like an- <laughs> you fool. You thought I was actually a dumbass. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, but actually I'm a real dumbass. <laughs> that's, Just a different way. Maybe <laughs> that's the type of humor that, that it is because it's like it's not actually a joke it's not actually comedy it's just like he gets a some sort of weird dopamine rush by like saying weird stuff or offensive things and making you feel bad which is not it's i guess it's funny to him but i kind of don't believe like he's laughing you know yeah like i don't think even uve bowl is like watching this movie and being like a laugh riot he's just like he's just like having some sort of perverted like sensation that like people are gonna be mad at me yeah Yeah, exactly that's what it is is he's like people are gonna be so upset they're gonna be mad they're gonna think i'm mean or something and it's like yeah don't care about you at all you have i would i wouldn't literally the don (laughs) draper meme i don't even think about you i don't think about you at all and i wouldn't i would i would pay money to not have your career like Like if there was some sort of reverse genie, <laughs> like it would be embarrassing. I don't care how much money you have, and I'm sure it's not that much, but it's just like 
it's so embarrassing it's it's not worth yeah. talking about yeah there's like a there's definitely a dollar amount where it would turn over but like if there was like a yeah there's a genie who says like you have a, you have one or the other right either you become you you have Uwe Boll's career or you lose x amount of dollars like <laughs> there's there's a pretty high number i'd be willing to shed yeah. off of my life savings for people to, to not be Uwe Boll <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you would have to pay me way more like 10 million i wouldn't take it because he probably doesn't even have a lot of money none of these movies make oh, money right this movie like cost 15 million dollars and made one hundred and forty-six thousand. yeah uh embarrassing terrible uh yeah. he should be you know he should be in the in the in the in the court square <laughs> being yes. whipped yeah, he probably should be gulagged. <laughs> yeah, it's straight to jail. Um, yeah. This movie's terrible. It's one of <coughs> definitely pretty instantly at the bottom of the rankings list. Like, yes, it's absolutely. one of the worst movies we've ever seen. Probably, uh, yes. I-, I didn't hate it as much. I think because it wants me to hate it, I just couldn't muster it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's definitely not beating Zero Dark Thirty for me. It's not beating Resident Evil for me, but it's it's yeah. <laughs> fucking it's fucking down there. I feel like it's kind of on the Guns Akimbo level. Yes, um, definitely on the Guns Akimbo level. Where I would rather watch like... Guns Akimbo again than this. <laughs> Damn, we gotta fucking we gotta figure out our ranking situation. And get back to that. They they finished it for us, right? I don't know. I gotta look at it. Yeah, go look at it. All right. That has been Postal. Don't watch it. Not recommended. Not recommend in for, any way. For anyone <laughs> ever for any reason. Nope. Uh, oftentimes I feel like even when I don't recommend things, I'm like, if this was exactly your thing, mm-hmm. maybe check it out. If this is exactly your thing, don't ever listen to the show again. Fuck you and Well, go and to also hell. like, yeah, like th- this isn't exactly anyone's thing because even people who like Edgelord shit, South Park there's exists. way better versions of this out there. Yeah. Um, come down. Well, that's not a movie. Uh, I'm d- well, like Lloyd Kaufman. Watch a Lloyd sure. Kaufman movie. Watch, watch, watch uh, Poultrygeist. Yeah. Watch Poultrygeist. Exactly. That's what I was thinking of with this was like how fucking lazy that movie is with like racial stereotyping stuff and whatever. And like that would even be better than this. But if you want a good one, uh, you know, good edgelord movie, watch um, the other one, the, um, the trauma movie about trauma movies. Um, Uh, Tromeo and Juliet. No, uh, terror firmer. Oh, terror firmer. Yeah. Uh, Watch terror firmer. That's a good edgelord movie. What are good edge? I feel like there's movies that I definitely like that are considered that level of humor. Uh, I mean, I would say probably a lot of people would consider Team America uh, to be edgelord no comedy. Team, oh, Team America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, mm-hmm. for some reason, I was thinking Aqua Teen movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, Team America for sure, which I think unfortunately aged worse in my memory. Uh, but yeah, it's still a fun, it still has a lot of funny stuff in it, unlike this movie. So yeah, don't watch this ever. And let's get on to our second movie. Yes. Uh, in our feature presentation at uh, long last of this double feature uh which is 1983's Brian De Palma um uh, crime thriller <coughs> drama uh Scarface. Yes. Um so we talked about this a little bit uh, on another episode I think that I have zero experience with Scarface. I know it culturally. 
I of, know it, of you know, where it stands in the culture and whatever. And I know like the, you know, the say hello to my little friend and whatever. And, you know, that sure. shit's all like baked into the public, you know, consciousness to a degree that like I, I knew about stuff from Scarface. Of course. I didn't know anything else about it, though. Um I, I knew it as like a as a dorm room poster movie, right? I had a I had a friend in college who watched this movie almost every day. Who wow. like I remember a lot of hours. I remember one time turning him turning the TV around and putting Scarface on out the window uh, <laughs> into the quad, uh, so you could just be walking by his his dorm and seeing it. Um, mm-hmm. Film school, everybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is a very popular movie. Uh, wasn't actually that popular when it came out. It was no. a modest success in the box office and pretty critically, uh, I wouldn't say panned, but like very mixed reception. Um, yes. It did okay at the box office. Uh, according to Wikipedia, critics were generally negative about it. Too violent, too much saying fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie got an X rating, which they like a whole team of, industry people had to lobby against to get it not be x-rated um but basically everybody said it was like too dark too violent uh roger ebert uh was i think one of the only contemporaneous critics who gave it a a good rating four out of four uh perfect Mm. rating he loved it um saying that uh the the creators have created a gallery of specific individuals and one of the fascinations of the movies that we aren't watching crime movie cliches we're watching people who are criminals which i think is fair um mm-hmm. yeah so it, it it then became over time really realistically on vhs and dvd um a, a very beloved movie uh, i think hip-hop had a lot to do with this um mm-hmm. it being a uh you know they're all Italians in this movie, but uh, <laughs> no, they're not. They're they're uh, Cuban. No, I know, but the actors are all Italian. Oh, the actors are but all Italians. I think yes, it that's being, true. Uh, sort of non-white uh, Cuban spoke characters. Um, I think a lot of it kind of became this cool thing to reference. Uh, lots of yeah. fun cliche, uh, catchphrases and things were put into you know Biggie. Uh, mm-hmm. There's rappers named Scarface. A couple of them actually. Um, <laughs> jay-z kind of made it a lot of his identity uh you know he's a drug dealer he's a cool i guess some people think he's a cool guy who has a lot of power um it's the it's the whole hip-hop character in the in the 90s and early 2000s um so it became like this huge cult classic um and at this point seems kind of wrong to even call it a cult classic it feels like yeah no, has now fully it's just entered a regular, a regular classic mm-hmm. um and probably blind De palma's uh most famous movie um, yeah so let's talk about that for a second because so like i said i didn't know anything about this movie coming in um and I only knew it as a dorm room poster. I will movie, say I and also as a, like hip hop movie, whatever. I like, also hadn't ever seen it until this week. Yeah. So, so the, the, I can't tell you how much of a, like not a jump scare, but like a genuine, like, like, like almost like the <laughs> twist of a movie. Did I feel during the opening credits when I saw <laughs> Brian De Palma and Oliver Stone? You're like, what? I was like, I'm sorry, this is like good. <laughs> I was fully expecting to come into this and be like, oh, it's kind of like um, I was thinking of like the King of New York, like these sort of like 
goofy uh you ever see that movie no it's uh christopher walken you mean like no not like boondock saints not like boondock saints um so king of new york is a movie with christopher walken and Lawrence fishburne by abel ferreira um who i don't know if that's a real director or what but um uh yeah it's just kind of like a it's like a semi-shitty um but like campy over the top gangster movie that also similar to Scarface, like has this like really massive footprint in like nineties and two thousands hip hop. Yeah. Um, and that is like campy and goofy. And like, that's kind of what I was expecting from Scarface just based on like its reputation and like the few things from it that I knew I was like, Oh, it's going to be just kind of like a goofy, you know, over the top gangster movie. And it is, but like, just like, yeah, seeing Brian De Palma, (laughs) I paused it and I was like, I was like, Jesus, that's crazy. And then I like played it again and it's like screenplay Oliver Stone. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. <laughs> now, Brian De Palma is known for very bombastic, over the top, highly stylized movies. Sure. So, so that but kind of good makes ones. sense. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They're good movies. Well, you didn't really like Blowout. I liked it fine. Yeah. Well, what movies do you like by him? Untouchables? Mission Impossible. I, I mean, yeah, Mission Impossible uh, fucking rocks. Snake Eyes is pretty good. Okay. Um, I love Phantom of the Paradise. I love Carrie. I love the Fury. Yeah, Carrie I like a lot. I mean, these are like, you know, I guess like what I'm saying is He's a real director. He's a real director, exactly. Like, he's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not I like his movies a whole lot or what, you know, he's at least somebody who I know is like considered to be a good director. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, the movie is, uh, I- I've always thought of it in the same bucket as uh, Goodfellas, a movie that okay, yeah. I know is a very beloved, you know, <coughs> high quality movie that mm-hmm. I uh, knew I had, I wasn't really going to love just based on it being a gangster movie, a crime movie. Yeah. Those Although things I do are- think we should try to revisit that at some point. I would still, I have, again, still haven't seen it since college might like it more now, especially since I really like Casino um, mm-hmm. and kind of feel like that kind of was a Rosetta Stone for Scorsese for me, um, where I'm appreciating his work a lot more recently. Um, but this movie, um, one thing I always forget about it is that, or I don't think I knew until very pretty recently, like last year, was that Oliver Stone wrote it, which mm. made me think about what it's trying to say yes. a lot more than I would have uh, because there isn't much it's trying to say, um, but it does try to give you a little window into not just the, the crime world, but like what makes the crime world because that's how Oliver Stone is. He wants to show you like the mechanizations, the mechanizations and the, the interworkings of like the government and the crime world. And like, that's in this movie. And I think there's also something to be said for like knowing kind of his perspective on JFK and knowing kind of like where he stands on that. Like there is something interesting in the fact that this opens with, you know, this kind of like black card of just saying like, you know, in such and such a year, um, you know, in, 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 you know, 1980 or whatever, like Fidel Castro opens the gates for all these families to go home. But actually, psych, he also sent all his prisoners to the United States. And you're like, that's so fucking based. What a cool <laughs> guy. <laughs> what a fucking sick move. <laughs> yeah. Well, he and then and then it ju- kind of I'm not sure if the intention is to juxtapose it, but like 
then it goes to Castro's real words where mm-hmm. he's like, these are people who hate us and will yeah. not support the revolution. Yeah, so these are enemies you. of the revolution, so get fucking out. Go you know? to America if you if yeah. you feel like it. And then if you, you want to be a capitalist, go be a fucking capitalist. And and they really and then do smash cut to fucking refugee camp and then yeah. cops fucking with them and then yeah. Well his first scene, Tony's first scene is is he's being interrogated by the cops. And they're like, are you a communist? And he's like, fuck, they're fucking communists. I hate. And like throughout the whole movie, even up to the end, basically, you know, he hates the communists. And right. he's like, America is where you can be free to 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 make your fucking mark and to do your thing. And the whole time he's the most destructive and awful dude. Yeah, just the, an absolute psycho who doesn't have anything but hatred and and violence yeah. in his heart. And, and he's like a his, parasite and he's a miserable fuck and like And his yeah, only it, purpose or the only thing he ever like actually identifies as something that the communists do uh that is bad is that they always tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah, they tell you what <laughs> to it, do and what to think. Yeah. And it's like, okay, they told you not to kill people and do dr- like sell drugs and like be a violent freak, an absolute exactly. psychopath, and you're mad at them for it. Exactly. I, There's no way you can come to the end of this movie and like and think back on the beginning of the movie and think anything other than, you know, Castro was right about you. <laughs> you shouldn't be in a country. Like, whatever country is able to get you out of it, that's a positive for the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, the, I think the underlying, like, cradling of this movie is about that. Like, it, mm. it's sort of about, like, America, the the America... I mean, it's it's not on the nose. It's very subtle in what it's trying to say. But I think the general message of the movie is that the American dream, the idea of it is violence. Mm -hmm. It's, it is, it is a classic, it is a classic gangster movie trope, anti-social violence. That is about taking things that aren't yours. Mm -hmm. Like the whole, like, it's funny because I've never seen the 1932 uh, movie. Um, but I know at the end of that movie, there's like a big sign that says the world is yours. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this movie, they do it twice where he's like, he has like a neon statue that he's like yeah. dead next to. Amazing. <laughs> De Palma is so fucking good. Uh, <laughs> uh, so good. That says the world is yours in neon. Um, yeah, it's like the Universal Studios thing. <laughs> and I feel like it, it's a mantra for the like psychotics, like social amoral freaks who want to to be, want to be American and believe in mm. the American dream is that like everything is something I deserve and nothing yes. you deserve. Um, and that's his whole driving motivation. Like he does not do anything in the movie to make you think like, man, this guy deserves more than he's got. You right, know, no. like he doesn't come up with any great ideas. The The one thing that ever works for him is just that like a bigger fish likes him more than the other guy because he can, they can use him. They can use yeah. his, his violent tendencies to, uh, uh, to, to, to make themselves more rich. So yeah, we haven't actually <coughs> talked about what the movie's about. Sure. Um, Tony Montana is, or it's not Montana. It's just it's, Montana. It's yeah. Montana. Tony Montana. Uh, he is a, in a refugee camp and, uh, they are working as dishwashers, um in him some, and his best friend angel right and uh they get a job so i guess angel is like sort of doing like low-key weed dealing on the side doing some favors for this 
drug connected guy who is played by F. Murray Abraham hilariously. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, side note, I just think all the casting in this movie is very funny. It's uh, very funny, yes. Everyone in this movie is not Cuban except for, <laughs> I think, uh, Manny. Um, and like occasionally people are at least like Hispanic. So they're kind of like pulling it off. But there is a lot of just like a white guy doing a, a fun voice. Right. Well, Robert Loggia um, just being Robert Loggia. And I guess he's like Italian he's or something. He's supposed to be Jewish. He's got a he's got like the necklace and everything. And he like says Yiddish phrases sometimes. Yeah, I don't know what he's supposed to be, but he's Mm-mm. like he's really in and out of the accent that he's doing. Like as yeah. soon as he starts raising his voice, he's just his character actor. He's just regular. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I kind of started to think after a while, like maybe that was like on purpose. Like maybe he just like does the voice. Like, he does the right. accent as like a bit or something. <laughs> yeah. F. Mary Abraham also doing a terrible accent. I feel like Al Pacino's his accent, at least you can say he's, Full. It's consistent. He's, fully it's, in he's it. doing yeah. it every time. Uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> Whether or not it's like it's you very know. funny. Um, but anyway, so Tony and uh, Angel, um, he basically is just like demanding. He's like, "I'm not your fucking bellboy. Let me do a good thing. Let me do something mm-hmm. worth a lot of money." So he's like, "All right, go uh, pick up this yayo, this coke, and uh, pay him, and that'll be it." Of course, the whole deal goes south. Um, Angel, Angel gets chopped up with a fucking chainsaw. chainsaw. Uh, they and then they they end and up. And they force Tony to watch it. Right, it's pretty fucked up. Um, and I, and then they they escape. They they his other two friends come in, shoot the whole place up. He executes the guy in the middle of the street, and then they mm-hmm. drive off and somehow don't get caught. And, I'll and importantly, s- hang on 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 the um, on the communism note. Uh, the way that they get out of the refugee camp is that they assassinate a former general who worked for Castro on the orders of somebody who's anti-communist. Right. There's a lot of that in this movie of just like random, like political contacts coming into their zone to be like, Hey, we need you to like murder a dissident. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Which kind of, you know, again, knowing his perspective on JFK kind of makes me be like, okay, so he's kind of like those, you know, the student activists. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, the the shadow of the CIA and the anti Castro Cubans uh, is all over this movie, um, mm-hmm. like it's but it's funny because there's never actually anyone is specifically from the FBI or the CIA, but right. it's just like well this guy has connections and it's gonna go to somebody and then that's go- and you're sort of left to fill in the blanks and it's it's not. Um, it's not surprising that people who are younger uh, or less educated watching this movie aren't like, hey, <laughs> the government has something to do with it. You know, like it's not spelled out at all. It's just there for right. you if you want it, if you know about that stuff, um, which I think is great. Uh, it's interesting that it's kind of just like interestingly in the real world where the CIA is also buying millions of dollars worth of drugs and like having Cubans kill dissonance and having a shadow war on Castro and during the cold war uh, or nearing the end of the cold war. Um, so, so, uh, after angel dies and he does this bust, he gets the drugs and the money, um, and then gives them all to Frank, who is sort of the big boss of Miami or one of the big bosses of Miami. And he's uh, yeah. in the Coke trade and he sort of becomes his right hand man. 
He's immediately interested in fucking his girlfriend because Tony Which, is a psycho. Um, I just like don't really care that much about, I guess. Like a lot of crime movies that we watch, Sopranos, <laughs> uh, everything, that stuff is usually the worst. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Although I guess in this, it kind of like plays into the theme a little bit where like, you know, you don't really ever get the sense that Tony actually really cares for Elvira very much. No. Like he doesn't actually like her that much. He just likes her because she's the boss's girl. And then once he gets her, he's just like so cruel to her. And like, yeah, he doesn't, I mean, they have no moment. Like I like, I really like Casino because, mm-hmm. uh, De Niro Ace really likes her. And she starts immediately playing him uh, because everyone in the movie is like running some sort of scheme um, and it really fits into what the movie is about and, and, and how it works. Um, Mm -hmm. Generally though, in these movies, like the girl is sort of kind of this side thing that's sort of just to make sure, you know, he's a bad guy. Right. I feel like is kind of the, they use, like also he's a misogynist it's like yeah well i didn't need to i assumed that (laughs) considering how he treats everyone else well Um, i think that i would have assumed that yes i agree but like i think that elvira kind of falls into a similar category in this movie to like the giant piles of cocaine that he just like snorts directly from where you're like this is just it's 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 supposed to be, you know, needless excess. Like he could be more efficiently doing Coke. He doesn't need to snort it out of a huge pile. It's it's not doing it right, doing it that way. (laughs) But because he's so rich, it doesn't matter. He can happily, you know, lose like two grams just stuck to his face. He's He's so full of greed and selfishness that he wants the thing that he will. It's like the most dangerous game. Mm -hmm. She's just like the boss's wife or girlfriend or whatever. Um, and so he wants her because yeah. she's hot and, and it's a prize for him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to note throughout this entire movie, there's, I think maybe at best one, like five minute stretch where Tony ever seems like he's happy about anything. Like he's is never there? happy in this movie. The The closest you get to happy is the first time that Frank invites him out for dinner and they're like drinking the expensive champagne and smoking the expensive cigars. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. And you kind of see this moment of him like with his arms up with the cigar in his teeth. I wouldn't say he's happy necessarily, but he has like this pride. moment where he's like, I could get used to this. I- you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's content in a way that he's not actively looking for someone else to fuck over. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he he's just constantly mad and and always trying to get people to respect him more than they are. Um mm-hmm. so then there's also a side thing where his mom knows that he's a drug dealer and a murderer and uh his sister Gina lives at home. Yeah, so Gina's an interesting wrinkle in this movie as well speaking of the women of gangster movies. This is an interesting little bit because usually in like the Italian tradition of gangster movies, you know, the mother is this sort of like really uh important psychological thing that's in the character's story, you know. Right. And, and in this, it's his sister who he wants to fuck and just I- won't let ever be around anybody and he's like in love with her. I guess is that I, I can't really tell if that's like the intended 
I mean, they have scenes where like he's like watching her dance and like he's just sitting there watching her right. and he, you're he like, can, I don't know. He likes looking at his sister a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's different. It's difficult to tell if that's like Brian De Palma being weird about him being very protective or he's intended to like kind of have such a protective like I want her all to myself kind of thing. Mm hmm. It sure I, ends that way. I mean, she comes out, you right, know, with she's the like, robe oh, you, on. She's like, oh, fuck me, Tony. It's what you've always wanted. Right. And he doesn't say no or anything. But his, yeah. his reaction to that where he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> kind of made me believe that he didn't. And he was just like, what? Like, he, he she's just another thing to control. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That That is a weird thing that I'm not sure I'm... I'm not sure I have a good take on. I It's feels sort of odd um and they don't do much with it um he ends up killing her husband who mm-hmm. is uh his best friend after angel manny um manny who's beautiful by the way he's a very hot guy what a what a hot guy it's unfucking believable <laughs> especially i mean it's it he gets some extra points because he's constantly next to al pacino <laughs> but yeah. that man can wear a shirt god damn <laughs> sure uh one of the only cuban movies in or cuban actors i think um Mm -hmm. so uh yeah he um he fucks over frank he uh he starts doing deals outside of what he's what he's supposed to be doing as frank's like sort of Oh, yeah, Frank sends him down to like Columbia or something to like uh, liaise with a bigger Coke dealer to like start distributing, you know, more weight uh, into his operation. And while he's down there, um, Frank's actual right hand man is revealed to be an undercover cop uh, and he gets fucking like executed uh, by hanging (laughs) out of a helicopter. Yeah. Wild shot. Duterte style. Um, That's the guy who was doing that, right? I think so, yeah. Or no, um, the other one. Not Duterte. Batista? Some motherfucker. Uh, whatever. Uh, they do it uh, old style, and they, they hang him out of a helicopter. Very crazy. I don't know how they did that shot. It's uh, yeah, amazing, it's actually. Uh, um, and I'm surprised I've never seen that gif or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah, you'd crazy. Think that would be, that, you'd think that would be out there. It's such a striking image. And, you know, since we're talking a lot about the story movie looks incredible um mm-hmm. we'll stop here and say uh wow beautiful brian de palma <laughs> <laughs> would Look, you believe it it looks good <laughs> looking great john alonzo uh sh- who shot chinatown as well uh oh that makes sense beautiful movie the movie is gorgeous um loving the way it looks uh i guess also um was a, the assistant DP on Close Encounters of the Third Kind to Villos Zygmunt. Mm. Um, great, great looking movie, this movie. Um, so, um, yeah, so he, he, he sort of, yeah, he's revealed to be a, a fed or a, a, an, um, an inside man who's, who's, who's uh, snitching and he gets mm-hmm. uh, hung. And so Tony is like, okay, well, we'll do a deal. I'll, I speak for Frank and then, uh, Frank's he makes a deal that's like bigger than Frank wanted to make. And Tony finds this to be pathetic. And so he's like, he's like, you need the fucking money. I'll go out and get the fucking money. Right. So he starts basically making his own business. And then Frank tries to kill him. Uh, sends a uh, cool scene, by the way. Yes. Um, 
of him just like strung the fuck out at the club. Just like he's constantly like sitting at like the most uncomfortable angle in seats. I don't know what that's about, but he's, he's constantly like, like arms up back, like in an L shape. His head's like completely sunk into his shoulders. And then and the he guys, sees these two Colombian looking guys with fucking Uzis that are hiding them under dinner napkins. Yeah, very poorly. And he just like clocks them for a really long time before they start shooting. And then he runs and there's a whole shootout scene, which is also very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he confronts Frank and kills Frank. Uh, and then he's sort of the head of it, which immediately in classic gangster movie style means that his downfall begins because yep. as soon as he hits the big top, he's sitting in a big uh, sunken jacuzzi in the middle of his living room somehow mm-hmm. uh, covered in carpet, which seems very unsanitary. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, an excessively big jacuzzi. You know, again, we're talking, you know, same thing with the big piles of coke. Same thing with Elvira. You know, we get a fucking um, a montage here, by the way, to push set it to, to the, the limit, tune of "Push It to the Limit," which is for ridiculous. The movie. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, the movie. That song is actually called "Scarface." Parentheses. Push it to the limit. No way. Yeah. that's wild. Because I mean, I just know it as the montage song. Right. Now, this is the and famous like, montage. Song. I can't believe that that's where that comes. From. Welcome to the limit. Um, yeah, so that we get him sort of building his empire, but who cares? It's not fun to watch him succeed. Now he yeah. immediately starts the downfall, which begins with um, Elvira uh, leaving him. Um, mm-hmm. He's being crazy, and then he uh, goes. The mom finds out that uh, Gina's been going out and again, and he finds her, and then he beats killed. the shit out of the guy that he's that she's out with. Oh yeah, with. that happens and then he kills Manny and then mm-hmm. finally he's uh, in tax trouble. He gets caught by the cops trying to like launder money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh and then who comes to his house to kill them all? I guess uh Oh, it's so so in the end uh Oh, Sosa. So there's another another political assassination that he has to do and they're going to get him out of his tax problems if he does it. And uh which again hints at a at a government involvement. Um, so there's like a, an activist yeah, pretty, dude. This one's pretty underlined because the cops are just like, if you kill this guy, we'll like, yeah. Uh, so they in, like in cahoots though with the, um, with the Colombian drug guy who they originally made the big deal with. Right. Right. And, and with some other so, drug so. people. So, so, so he's supposed to kill this activist guy. He goes to New York. They plant a bomb on his car, but then he won't do it because, uh, his wife and kids are in the car. And I gotta say, this is the first time that this is the, the movie, weakest part of the movie. The by movie far. feels sort of like when did when did Tony have an issue with that? Like he's not yeah. like he he's has not sentimental about literally anything he has ever. Zero principles. He's he a has guy zero who, family. It's not like he has a wife and kids or some shit. You yeah, know? He, he, nothing means anything to him. He gets married, but like he doesn't give a shit about her. Yeah. So it's like him being like, I'm gonna fuck over. I'm going to fuck over Sosa because I care about these kids. It feels really out of nowhere. Um, yeah. And I didn't like that part, but it's he stupid, is sort of it, like it, in a coke haze. And like, I feel like the movie gets a little bit, tries to get away with like, oh, he's on a ton of coke. So he's making weird decisions. Um, yeah. Or they're trying to be like, oh, but he's actually not the worst guy in the world and whatever. I this is the kind of thing that's that what they're trying to do. But this is the kind of mitigating thing though, that like that, 
adds to these things that happen with gangster movies where dumbasses watch them and they're like, Tony's cool. You know, right. mm-hmm. like this is one of those things where it's like, hey, he's principled. You know, he may be a bad guy, but he sticks to his principles. But he's got, he, no, he absolutely doesn't. He and doesn't. I mean, this like, is just something that he does for some reason. There's a thing where like, as I've gotten older, the the good fellas thing where you're like a dumb boy who mm-hmm. like thinks that they're cool i've begun to sort of wrap my head around it where there's like this power this this like this it's the strip club you know it's (laughs) it's the fantasy where you know you are this powerful guy and and the women are all interested in you and you can like throw your money away at them and stuff you know there's a relationship there's a there's people see themselves in like this especially in goodfellas where they see themselves in the people pursuing that and Mm -hmm. then the fact that they, that leads to a bad end works for them as like, it would be cool, but I'm not going to do that because mm-hmm. of these lessons that I'm learning. And there's a sort of double like thing. I, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. I don't know what it would be like to be yeah, a kid. Yeah, if it was like, me, I would have just killed the, the, the kids. Or whatever. Uh, but this one, <laughs> this Scarface one, I can't even imagine watching this movie and being like, Tony's cool. Tony's like cool, yeah. he's a fucking evil psychopath like one of the worst villains who again I've is seen. never happy nothing right. is ever good like it doesn't ever there's no part of this movie where you're like damn it seems like a fu-. like wolf of wall street you know that's a fucking movie where that happens you know that's yeah, a movie where you're watching you're like time. this guy's having a blast yeah. all the time i would like to be also good fellas same thing it's infectious you want to be in the mafia when you watch that movie this i don't want to be anywhere near him i don't want to ever meet him i don't want to yeah. fucking know any of these guys there's not even a scene you can point to where he's having a good time like even yeah. when he's finally at the top in his big jacuzzi he's alone and angry um mm-hmm. So anyway, so he won't do it for whatever. Right, so he won't do for, it, for and plot then reasons later off screen, um, they find the bomb under the car. So now the guy's security is all you know jacked up. So now they can't assassinate him. And um, so, so the guy from earlier calls him and says, like, you fucked me. And what was the one thing I said to you when I first met you? Never fuck me, Tony. And Tony's like, oh, go fuck yourself. We're going to go to war. And like, you know, you suddenly see like exactly what the scenario is here now, where like you kind of got the sense when he first meets Sosa that like, you know, Tony, Tony's rich and Tony's successful, but Tony is a cog in a machine, you know, and he doesn't realize it until this moment where like, the machine is way too big for him to handle. <laughs> so Sosa sends his guys and his guys just make easy work of Tony's security guards and they go in and like he has his blaze of glory. You know, he like takes down a bunch of guys with him, but he fucking dies. You know, he gets his shit rocked pretty hard. Yeah, he gets shot in the back with a shotgun and is flown from a balcony into his pool that says the world is yours. Mm-hmm. And then immediately credits, yep. um, which I think is cool. Um, yes, that rocks. And um, this whole sequence is pretty cool. I think the say hello to my little friend kind of sucks, but I mean, it also, you know, I, I'm, I'm devoid of context. I have the whole of, you know, the past 40 years. That one is know, interesting to- because people always say it very different. They say mm-hmm. it like it's this big thing, but he's saying it in the middle of his like coke haze. It's just like another mm-hmm. thing that comes out from under his breath, yeah. um, which I kind of liked. Uh, I don't see why people like turned it into this like, clint eastwood sort of thing like it's a frantic animal like just like crazed 
yeah. shooting a, a rocket launcher at some people. Um, but yeah, the shootout scene is fun and cool. Everything is very well directed. It's a very beautiful movie. Uh, Al Pacino's acting in this movie is, um, while I guess problematic, <laughs> he's an Italian <laughs> guy playing a Cuban guy, which I think wouldn't stand now. He does a really good job. Yes, I mean, he he's does- in every scene. Like he, I mean, he's literally in every scene, but he's also like in, you know, he's like, he's, he's actively in engaged. He's, he's deep in character. He's, he's, he's working with his scene partners very well. He's doing good acting in this movie. Right. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the movie is a very interesting little picture of this sort of story of what kind of person is, uh, is attracted to the American dream, the, the mm-hmm. build your own life, own the world. Everything is yours for the taking kind of thing. And it takes it to sort of an absurdist level where it's like extreme violence, greed to the point that you're never happy with anything. Um, and I like a lot of it. Um, I will say it's just too long. The movie is yes, so is long, too long and yeah. there is a lot of, there's a lot of slog for me. Like mm-hmm. I was really interested and I was like, I think I'm going to like this movie a lot from the opening scene with the refugee camp and the killing of the uh, communist guy and the, the dissonance and like all the sort of like political undertones. Um, but there's just a lot of stuff in this movie that I just don't think I care about at all. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer having not a lot to do. Um, any scene with that or the sister I find very boring. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie could have been a tight 90 and been just as good and influential, I think. Yep. Uh, it feels like it is... It feels like it's this long because of The Godfather. Like, to make a mm. crime movie, you just gotta yeah, make this, be a crime epic. this yeah. big epic. And it, it kind of feels uh, like it suffers for that. Um so that's my biggest like criticism is that like there's just stuff in here that doesn't need to be here. Mm-hmm. And while like I like that scene where Manny is like trying to pick up the girl while like flicking his tongue. I was at just her. thinking that yeah, it's it has no use. Yeah. Because it's it's you're trying to humanize this guy when ultimately the message of the movie is that this guy is not human. Right. You know, like it's one of the only charming moments you have with him is him interacting with those kids and laughing at Manny. Yeah. But it 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 sir it's cross purpose you know it's like this is not what we're trying to do here right it doesn't it doesn't make me think he's like a guy who loves kids i guess he says a couple times that that part of the script where he's like kids are my line like isn't hammered home enough actually mm-hmm. um because it feels crazy when he's like no i'm going to fuck over sosa just because i don't want to kill these kids yeah or it it's not it wouldn't even be his finger on the button but it would like weigh on him i don't know um there's some script stuff that I think is not the best because Oliver Stone was also going through a Coke bender while he was like, trying to write this movie, <laughs> um, which he brought to the table. And he like talked about how he wanted to make a movie about how like cocaine is a big problem in America and how it fucks you up and makes you crazy. Um, and it works on that level. But I think there's just like script stuff that I think just really ought to have been edit it out um yeah. the other criticism that i'll i'll throw at it is um 
the soundtrack is dog shit. The score, very good. The score is Giorgio Moroder. We haven't mentioned him. Moroder. Moroder. I can never say that guy's name. Giorgio Moroder. He mm-hmm. kills it. Absolute beautiful, incredible yep. score. Gorgeous, uh, incredible. Soundtrack I mean, really is like eighties. <laughs> really fucking like horror movie ish. You know, yes. I love how like spooky it is. Like when he's like finally in his like f- in his last moments, it's just like this like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his uh, his synthesizer score is just beautiful. Really, and knocking it out of the park. And the movie has a great vibe. It's like a really fun, pretty, uh, most of the time the movie is pretty easy to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even when it's horrific and, and strange and overly violent, um, it's really fun. And a lot of, a lot of, it's funny too. Like I th- I think uh, Tony Montana is a very funny villain. Yeah. You know, like he's just a over the top evil guy who like says a lot of funny shit. Um, calling everybody a cockroach and shit like he he's a funny character. Um, so I had a good time with it. I I don't think it's a perfect movie by any means. Mm -mm. Um, but I think I'd recommend it. It's getting a pretty solid recommend from me. Yeah, it's a it's a fun. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. It's a it's a. It's more than a base hit. It's not a home run. Sure. Yeah. You know it, I mean, we got a nice, we got a nice in the park, you know, maybe bounced off the back wall. We're getting a, we're getting a ground roll double, something like that, yeah. you know, something, something nice, something helpful <laughs> to the team, not a perfect score. Yeah. D- not a grand slam. But hey, you got to pat it on the back. And maybe I, a nice, you know what? It's maybe it's a ground roll double that, that got us an RBI, something like that. Hey, you there know? you go. <laughs> a pretty good hit. I, I think it's, I think what's hard to rate about Scarface is that it, it's, it's outsized representation in culture where mm-hmm. it's just like currently considered one of the greatest of all times. Like it's always certainly not. It's certainly not no. a, the greatest of all time or it, in the not, conversation. It's not as good as casino. It's not as good as Godfather two. It's no, it's it, maybe making it into the upper quarter of our ranking. Yeah. It's somewhere kind of in the middle. I think it, it's a, it's, it's a solid movie with, some big flaws, but I think what pushes it to a, a strong, it pushes it to the limit. If what it's strong, rec- I think the strong recommend is because the movie's gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. beautifully directed. The score is fantastic. The acting is a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's easy to watch. Yep. It's, it, it could be shorter. Uh, and Manny, my goodness. And what a beautiful man in Manny. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's a fun movie. It's a good yep. time, and I really and I think I love the the political underpinnings of the movie that are very subtle, not in your face, but a lot of fun stuff to chew on about like how the interworkings of like the CIA's drug running and anti Castro war was being fought on like a very subliminal level. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's very cool that it's included in this movie about American greed and and violence. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, I think on a certain level, like conceptually, this is a strong recommend. Yeah. Watching it. It's like an okay recommend. You know what I mean? Yes. Like uh-huh. <laughs> there's a lots of good shit in it. Um, 
lots to chew on, yeah. but not a lot of great taste. Just a little, <laughs> just a little downtime. There's some some yeah. some gristle on it. There's some gristle on yeah. the steak. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We got it. It's we, a good steak. It. There's just a lot of gristle. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much for listening to Generation Loss. Hope you've enjoyed this double feature. We will hopefully be back next week with a regular episode and a regular bonus. That's right. Um, Talking about Firefly next week, hand to God. Yeah. Scout's honor. Um, (laughs) But thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to hear that Firefly episode, and we will be voting this week on the next season of television that we'll be watching on the Sopranos tier. So if you're not in the Sopranos tier... uh, Please go to patreon.com slash generation loss and join that Sopranos tier uh, so you can vote. A whole seven, I think six or seven of you are in the Sopranos tier and haven't voted, <laughs> which, hey, hey, you know, thanks for the money. But like, I want you to get your money's worth. Please yeah. check your email. Go to the <laughs> patreon.com slash generation loss. I'm putting out the poll this week as soon as we finish recording this. So you will be seeing it. I'll put it up for a whole, I think I did a week last time. Get in there, vote, nominate something, and then vote um, on what you want. Um, Because you get to nominate. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening. Go check that out. Dark Council, you can do that too. Go to the Discord. Follow us on Twitter at GenLossPod. Email us a question at GenerationLossPod at gmail.com. And... uh, until next time, that's, that's movies. movies. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Whose world is this? The world is yours. The world is yours. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. I sip the dumb peak watching Gandhi till I'm charged and writing in my book of rhymes all the words past the margin. The whole of mic I'm throbbing. Mechanical movement. Understandable smooth shit that murderers move with. The thief's theme. The Play me at night. They won't act right. The fiend of hip hop has got me stuck like a crack pipe. The mind activation. React like I'm facing time like Pappy Mason with pins I'm embracing. Wipe the sweat off my zone. Spit the phlegm on the streets. Suede Tim's on my feet. Makes my cipher complete weather cruising in a six cab. I'm on tarot deep. I can't call it. The beats make me falling asleep. I keep falling. We're never falling six feet deep. I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what?